Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Oh, yeah, it's been a week. Also joining us is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. It has been a week. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I didn't know it had been a week, but being that I get to be behind the scenes, I did get to hear um, a, a little heard Jed character, which is Falsetto Jed. That's right. That's right. Blue-eyed soul, Jed. Mm-hmm. Well, it has been a week. There's many things that have uh, many things that have happened. Many things that have uh, happened to us. Many things we've made happen. There's one thing that presents an opportunity. Oh, an opportunity for us, a catastrophe for others, a catastrophe, if you will. Ooh. <laughs> and on that, I must declare an emergency. What? what? Now, if you keep up with the Christian things in the media, you may have noticed that. Lifeway Christian Bookstores is shutting all 100% of their brick-and-mortar locations Mm. across this fine land. Well, where am I going to buy the biography of disgraced former heads of megachurches? Where indeed? Probably the megachurches themselves. Oh, okay. Because, you know, sure, they 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 don't want you to talk about that guy anymore, but they still got inventory. You're saying megachurches buy huge numbers of their own pastor's books? (laughs) Yes. So that they can appear at the top of bestseller lists? So much so that the New York Times bestseller list had to change their policies because so many Christian authors did that. That's weird. That seems an awful lot like fraud. That's (laughs) what... I, I mean, I only work with criminals at the jailhouse all the time, so what do I know? But I think that's what that is. Sure. Well, you know, there's a, there's a saying in economics, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Right. And uh, let me just say, if you've ever been to a church, a conference, a, a ministry leadership training or whatever, where they gave you a, and I use finger air quotes, free copy of the speaker's book, somebody huh. paid for it. Because uh, things don't exist for free. So just throwing that out there. But okay. this is exactly the hustle we're trying to get in on here. Because, you know, maybe there wasn't enough, enough you know, out there to support the Lifeway stores, which right. we're, uh, we, I personally know folks who've worked at Life, Lifeway and, you know, very sad for obviously anyone who's losing their job or anyone sure. who, all that. But, uh, you know, they had a, they had a run there. Yeah. They're, yeah. uh, Lifeway is owned by the Southern Baptist Convention. Apparently, in reading this news, not a lot of people knew that, so now you do. A lot okay. of things going great over there. Okay. <laughs> but the thing about that is, uh, you know, we here, here to say that industries, we're always looking for opportunities in the market. Sure. Yeah. And we, we've come up with a lot of product ideas over the years. Oh, this, yeah. In the last couple of weeks, we, we talked about the sin jar. Yeah. Which, uh, if it hadn't turned out to be a centuries-old heresy that caused the split of the Western Church, <laughs> um, we, we probably could have gone to market with that, I think. Yeah, it was just one one big drawback on that one. Yeah, it was minor. I, yeah. I, you know, we, we've, got, we've got people in Germany yeah, just seeing yeah. if they can find a loophole. But the main thing about that is, I think, do we not have an opportunity here for, let's say, that superstore? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I think, gentlemen, I, and I put it to, to you three, it's time for a little blue sky thinking yeah. okay. of what we want to offer the people who come into our brick and mortar, say that storefront. Right. Okay. So we're talking like a, a you know, like a, a mega low mart kind of like Certainly. super, super size. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that, you know, the, the idea of a Christian bookstore, as we point out, you know, was kind of built around celebrity pastors and right. 
maybe they kind of sell the books themselves now. So it's not much of a business model, but you know, people like to say that. So we have, you know, kind of our own branded storefront. Right. I think there's some things that are just right off the bat. We can, you just start printing it right now. One of them would be kind of the Uncle Glenn's world Atlas where you change, you like turn the page to a country and he tells you all about that country and what's wrong with it. I think it'd be great. Uncle Glenn's inaccurate national stereotypes. Yep, yep. No, that's good. That would be fantastic. Xenophobia has never been hotter. (laughs) (laughs) So true. We're going to move on with that comment. (laughs) Here's here's what I'm talking about. Uh, Because, you know, in the Christian bookstore, mostly what they sold in there was like Christian stuff. Right, I've heard that. And then also, so much so that in the '90s and early 2000s, a lot of them took the word "book" off it, and it became blankety blank Christian store. Oh, there's not a lot of Zoroastrian merchandise in a life way, right? So if that's what you're looking for, well, that that that's a way to go, right? You know, but here's what I, here's what I'm saying is, uh, you know, they did a lot of in in some of these Christian bookstores, a lot of bric-a-brac. Sure, sure. You gotta have tchotchkes, knickknacks, if you will. Yes. Uh, And uh, so, what I'm saying is, first of all, let's just take regular stuff, right, and then slap our face on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, Christian it up a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Like, uh, yeah, you got paper towels, and you put a a Bible verse on there. You know, wash your hands, all ye sinners, and boom. Right. Or for the Presbyterians, (laughs) you can get your, you know, your your Clorox wipes. All your good deeds are like dirty rags. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know wow. these. The, these they these, like that verse. These wipes will de deodorize and cleanse your countertops decently and in order. Sure, absolutely. You know, that's uh, Presbyterians. Yeah, buy a, that, a bar right? of soap that just says "cleanse thyself" on it. Yeah, yeah. That kinda, like it. You know, that's... <laughs> I think we can take this even further. Oh. Okay, so gentlemen, I am a preacher's kid, as you know, yeah. and I grew up in the South during the height of the Christian bookstore. Um, era uh, so I've, I've been to many of them okay. sure now i'm sorry well as am yeah. i but uh, you know we, we all have scars <laughs> we're trying to heal from yeah yeah so one of the things that, that it was kind of a known thing is that you go to the christian bookstore and there would literally be a chart if you like this secular band oh, buy a yeah. record from no. this christian band you know? wow. that's true yeah. so if oh you, that's insulting to everybody oh yeah, yeah this, actually this true. is a true thing so if you like oh, metallica you buy this band and if you like megadeth you buy this band and so on and so forth all right here's what i'm saying now we we could run a foul copyright law with this but i say man it's a new age we just go for it yeah is rather than Very making fire festival attitude of you there jed what if we did it and we were legends matthew Woo! right okay so what i'm saying is rather than doing this whole sound alike thing I'm saying we just take popular secular music right. and we just replace keywords with something religious. So you give the Pope like a hurricane treatment. Exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. for example, you take you know Beyonce's track Girls, Who Runs the World. It's right. just we subbed in Glenn going, God. Right? Right. It's and so it's, it's the song that you know and love, just right. instead of Girls, it's God. Right. We can do that. And that would take about five minutes. I could do that. Bing, bang, boom. Done. Totally. So I think people would love it. I think people yeah. would be all about it. Similarly, I got another one. Again, we might run afoul of copyright law, but we take the popular <laughs> books, the popular fiction of okay. our day. Because back in the day, you had like your Frank Peretti, you know, who's yeah, writing right. like, you know, the Christian. Uh, he was the Christian Stephen King. Right. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Clearly. It does sound scary already. Forget that. All right. <laughs> our hero is Jesus. Right. So what we do is we take secular fiction and we just replace the hero's name with Jesus. 
Oh, yeah. That's it. Okay. It's, what do you call it? A find and replace? Exactly right. Yeah, we can do this in five minutes. But, dude, who wouldn't buy the new thriller featuring hit character Jesus Reacher? We would all right. do that. Good. That well, would be amazing. Goes, go, goes around punching people. Exactly. Nothing else has changed. He's still punching right. people. Right. But it's Christian now. Right. Well, I think that's pretty much because that's what happens in a Christian bookstore. It's just a less good version of a thing you like. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. That's it. So you can get your poorly dubbed Beyonce track about yeah. God who runs the world. Right. And your Jesus Reacher thriller. It's it, We fixed the world for and you. And your bathroom wall hanging. No doubt. Right. Well, the, the, here's the thing about that. I also think we could, you know, partner with. There's got to be some version of like a a Christian Weird Al situation where he takes just the normal thing <laughs> yeah. you like uh-huh. and then tweaks it just a little bit so that's the thing. And mentioning Stephen King, there's a pet cemetery, new Pet Cemetery movie coming out, and mm-hmm. I think uh, we could just make Pet Cemetery. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's just dogs. Yeah. And you're trying to teach them about Pelagianism. Yeah. Yeah. That because because people could be watching that and learning. Totally. It's a, a what do you call it? semi-educational. That's right, edutainment. Yeah, I mean, edutainment. Phrase turn. That's a great word right there. I got another angle on this because Please. I got I got to admit, you know, when you said do our own Christian store, I was confused because I thought you were talking about like you could buy or possibly rent a Christian. No, sure. that's that. There are a number of legal challenges to that. Like, <laughs> but to go in a different direction, right. you can purchase your own Christianity. At this store. Oh, oh, okay. We will just certify you as Christian. Yeah, holy, squared away, right? Totally put together. Will we throw in a free, way, way too high in the neck polo shirt for you to sure. wear? Of course, it's the uniform, right? So, right. But four button polo, you don't see those very often. It's similar to a for-profit college, right? Which has made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. right. It's a for-profit religion. That's what right. we're, nobody's wow. done this yet. And yeah. I feel like we could be... Br- are, are you sure no one's done a for-profit religion, Jeff? <laughs> Not technically. Okay. I mean... Not according to the IRS. But what you're saying is, we're all going to send them to a place. Yeah. And then we, without asking God at all, yes. or involving him in the process, <laughs> will certify that you are a certified Christian. Wow. Yes, Glenn. You could like lead other Christians into being Christian. If you want to. Now, you got to give me money. Of yeah, course. I'm this not, is a for-profit religion. Yeah, I'm not giving you that for free. Yes, obviously. But we do that, and then you have the piece of paper. Yes, that says you are a certified Christian. And then, uh, then we make all the money. No risk involved. Yes, that's brilliant. How did you come up with that? That's, I don't know that. It, it, I'm surprised no one isn't doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole other side of this too. There's kind of the entry level version of that for small business owners, where we just sell them the uh, the you know the Jesus fish or the bumper sticker with a verse on it for their small business. Because there are certain Christians that will not hire a small business unless it is Christian. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like, carpentry, plumbing, sure, sure, anything sure. like that. So Social we'll caterers. Just, you, you bring in your... <laughs> You bring in your Christian business. You bring in your 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 small business, and we'll just deck it out. We'll make with it all the things that make it look like it's Christian. So then the Christians will hire you, and they don't even, they don't know. Well, here's what I'm talking about: is to combine these two ideas in a way. Let's look at a you know a nice kind of consultancy service added to Lee's fine idea there, which is because you know if you're just you're just a you know a guy who does masonry, you don't know about all this right, nonsense. Right, right. Um, but you got to know who you're trying to appeal to here. Yeah. You gotta if you're going over to see the uh, the Unitarians, 
you're gonna need it for different bumper stickers if you're going to see right. you're the Baptists. They're gonna say, "Well, I, I'm not going to a pre- I got you know to put in the pipes of the Presbyterian Church." You gotta say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. is that PCA or PCUSA?" Right. So we got a whole different package, <laughs> right? Yeah. Depending That's on right. what you want. So what, what you're saying is you got a bumper sticker element, but it's like the James Bond where he pushes the button and it switches That's the right. license That's plate That's to exactly another license right. plate. Well, a removable bumper sticker business. So what we're really talking about is we will brand you. Yeah. Like if you're if you're a, a, a plumber, we say we're you paint it on the side of your van. We'll blow out your sewer pipes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I don't that, think that's what plumbers do. <laughs> di, di, I don't know. Bad plumbing. Di, di, sure, but, but that'll get Who's people's attention. You the know? point stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in a spot. Yeah, I, well, I think, and that's, but that's where we need the brick and mortar aspect of this. We can take out of these closed Lifeway stores because we're going to be a one stop shop. Right. You pull the van out front. We, you know, we send the the team out there with the, you know, we put the the things and the bumper sticker with the right Bible verse on it. You want? Right. Do they want one that's judgy or one that's lovey? They're going to judge. They're going to. The church people are going to notice on that. We're going to bind and cast out the hair clog in your drain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, The power of the Holy Spirit. There it is. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Something like that. This is for your Pentecostal customers. Yeah, that's right. You got to know your market. You know, that's critical. Cast your clogs to the east of Eden, (laughs) the the land land of Nod. Nod. That's right. Exactly right. And I think we've nailed it down. So on that, I'm going to declare emergency hall. What are we going to do with all the money, y'all? This, this, as they used to say on the Bullwinkle show, this time for sure. I think this is going to be the one that kicks into gear on all that. Now, of course, when we have our brick and mortar superstore ready to go, we will be selling, you know, printed out versions of Bridgebox. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, the people, the people need that. So you, now we, we email it to you. It's very convenient. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if grandma doesn't know how to work the email, you can send her over to the Say That Superstore and we'll just hand her, you know, the, the Bible study printed out, you know, the recordings yeah. of the sermons yeah. and the songs and all leather that. Leather-bound. Absolutely. A nice leather-bound volume. Yeah. That's, you know, it's going to drive up the cost per unit. But uh, we're going to pass that along to you, the customer. But for now, if you want to get on the easy digital version, only $8 a month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. We're about to head into the month of April. We're going to look at the question of how do I know if I'm making a difference? You have some sermons that Glenn and I preached at the bridge about that songs from uh, Jed, Lee, uh, our friend Pete, some other very town folks at Bible study. A lot of great encouraging stuff about that. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. Hang us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. Those are also in the episode description if you scroll down in your podcast player. Our first question comes in anonymously to our email inbox, and it says, I don't pray regularly or read my Bible regularly. Is it a matter of me actually choosing each day to push through my own desires that may or may not be selfish about this? Over the years, I felt like I want to have the desire to read the Bible, to pray, to feel closer to God, but I don't always feel it. Do I need to discipline myself better and make a habit? I struggle thinking, shouldn't I want to want God? And uh, speaking of songs that are almost th- that, if we do the cheap trick version of Jed's kind of searching yeah. the place, God wants you to want him. Right. That's just going to happen. That's yeah. it's done. It's right there. It's easy. Um, but Glenn, let me get started on this because I, I think this is, I totally understand what Frank's saying. I think that the place they land is a really interesting thing of like, does God just consider it hollow if I do these things? I get up and decide it is a good thing to read my Bible. Right. Therefore, I will do it without some kind of burning passion for the word. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. 
what I'm getting out of what you're writing here is uh, I don't feel a passion about mechanically going about these things. I think that's great. Don't do that in a mechanical right. way. That's that's a bad idea. Uh, that, uh, and you know, uh, I don't regularly read my Bible. I don't pray regularly. Um, I think it's a great idea to irregularly pray and irregularly read your Bible. I think it's good to do those things as, uh, as you need, you know, there's going to be days when you need to do that a whole lot more than other days. So if you're doing the same amount every day, you're going to be, uh, fed on some days and other days there are other things God wants you to be focused on and you're not doing that. So uh, I, I, I think you're actually on, on the right track. Uh, as you say, you know, shouldn't I want to want God? Well, you want to want to want God, so that's the same difference. <laughs> it's like a double negative. Yeah, you, 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 want it, you want this to be something good, so that's enough. That's, you're there. Uh, we, we, we may be really working pretty hard to find a way for you to be a bad person in all of this. But here's what I'm driving at. Uh, when we preach, um, we're often using a term uh, called uh, finding the right note to come in on. And I, I guess some of these uh, uh, analogies, some of this lingo suffers a bit from us all being kind of musically inclined. But the idea is, uh, you know, if uh, everyone is in the key of C and we're the, the, the chord that everyone's striking is a C chord, you want to play a C note when you come in playing your solo or whatever the thing is or playing your, your bass line or whatever. The idea is you want to be in harmony with where people are. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to speak uh, in in a tone that they can relate to. Uh, as we said recently on, on on the podcast, if you're preaching a funeral, you don't come in there and say, "Hey guys, this, this is let's be rejoicing," you know that kind of thing. <laughs> you have to uh, you have to recognize people are in an emotional state. You want to start there. Now do, you may want to lead them somewhere else, but that's that's what it is. So that's what we mean by finding the right note to come in on. But I think it works the same way internally of finding out how do I take myself from where I am to get into uh, a lifestyle, into a relationship with God, into a living out of Christianity, where it is uh, addressing what's going on with me, what my strengths and weaknesses are, what challenges are in my life that I'm trying to deal with and, and move forward in. So I think this is about finding what's right for you to get into that, to find that right note. Uh, I think the idea of being regular and habitual with that is not the right way to do that. I think the right way to do it is where are my needs? What do I, what's going on with me right now? And starting from that. I think it's a really, really strong place to start off. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here because uh, Glenn gave us one of our kind of ministry principle terms that we uh, applies away to a lot of stuff. And I think there's another one. Uh, waiting for us as we delve deeper into this, and that's about get tos and have tos. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think Glenn's exactly right. And you, when you look at this thing of this is something that I have to do, and I have to do it the exact same way every day. That's kind of the way discipline works. I mean, when you know when. Uh, 
you know, certain people, they go to a job and they're asked to do a certain task exactly the same way every single day. Um, certain soldiers are asked to do certain tasks exactly the same way every single day. But as Glenn's saying, your needs are going to shift. So what we want to do is look at something that we currently view as a should or a have to, and we want to figure out how do we turn that into something I get to, something I'm looking forward to doing. And I think part of that process is going to start with debugging some of the stuff that you've always heard about this. Um, I, I'm just guessing because of my own experience, but um, I, I grew up in that same kind of Christian experience that, that Jed did. I went to those same churches and those same stores and those same you know, retreats and conferences and everything. And the feeling was that if you didn't have the exact same regular time uh, with Jesus, quiet time, or a devotional. Uh, sometimes when they were really cool, they call it a devo. Um, if you didn't have oh. that, yeah. If you didn't have that, then you basically suck. And you're basically, you're out. Like, you just, you suck, you're a failure as a Christian, and that whole thing. If that is anywhere in your thinking, we need to debug that immediately. We need to get rid of that because you are not out. You're not damned. You're not, you know, God isn't mad at you. One of the the, the most important things that anybody ever said to me about uh, a relationship with Jesus was when uh, the, the pastor of the church where I work one day in a sermon just kind of said, hey, uh, if you don't know this, you need to know this, you're not in trouble. And it was one of those things of everybody was like, Whoa, are we allowed to believe that? And he was like, Hey, can we all can you just can we just all say I'm not in trouble? Yeah. And and everybody in the room was like, I'm not in trouble. He's like, let's do it again. Let's say that a little bit louder. I'm not in trouble. And that's the whole heart of knowing Jesus. I mean, that yeah. that I'm not in trouble. God's not mad at me. I, I I'm not like there's not a list of things, and if I don't do them, then I'm going to the timeout chair. That's not the way this works. And so before we can ever talk about what your kind of uh, life, your prayer life should look like, or what it would look like for you to enjoy your time in Scripture, we've got to debug this concept that if I don't do this a certain way for a certain amount of minutes every single day and journal and then whatever, whatever, uh, if I don't do that, then I'm in trouble. We've got to get rid of that. If we don't do that, then this will always be a have to, as Matt's saying, and we want to turn it into a get to. Um, one of the other things we need to look at is if you are, if you've always been bored when you try to approach scripture, then we need to find a totally different way to do that. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's an audio book. Maybe it has to do with music. One thing that's really cool about, um, you know, you heard, uh, you already heard Matt talk about Bridgebox. But in the years that, that we've been producing Bridgebox, there are these uh, amazing tracks that are just Bible verses set to really, really cool beats and really, really cool melodies. And it's like a totally different way to engage or memorize scripture, to, to think about um, the stuff that's in the Bible. Um, if you've always been bored by prayer or you know whatever, you just don't know how to do that, maybe it means finding somebody who has a walk with the Lord you really respect and just saying, can we pray together? I don't really know how to do that. I don't do a lot of that stuff. All, all I'm trying to say is what we want to do is move away from the things that have been, that have made you feel like you're in trouble or made you feel bored or made you feel intimidated. And we want to try a different tactic 
um, a different way to approach it to see if it's something that interests you. And that's what we want to find is where does at what what is the intersection between you being interested in approaching your relationship with Jesus? That's where we want to go. Where you're assured that I'm not in trouble. God is happy with me. He loves me. And then uh, under the umbrella of that, what do I want to experience with God? What do I need from him? You know, I think that one of the things that you find is maybe what we need to do is find a place for you to get engaged in a ministry. When you start to give your life away, scripture takes on a whole different thing inside you. Prayer means a totally different thing when you're serving people and laying your life down and stuff like that. So I think that's what we want to do is as we try to turn a have to into a get to, we need to debug these old ideas that I'm in trouble or that I'm a failure or that I'm on the outs. And then we want to start to look at it, what would it look like to enjoy my relationship with Jesus? What do I like about the friendships I have right now? How do I hang out with the friends I have now? How, if, how would I do something like that with Jesus? And then we can start looking at some specific tactics and stuff like that to make this a get-to instead of a have-to. That's yeah, all excellent, excellent stuff. It really gets us a long way down the road on this. And Chad, I think there's a, another aspect here of as of this kind of blue sky thinking, this imagination that uh, Lee is pointing us to here, and he's talking about you know the way things things could be some differences. I think it's also worth looking at uh, what if I what if there are some things that are different in my life that just change the way I approach this. Sure, How, what would that world be like to live in? What does that tell us? Well, it's a good question, man. You know, I I really want to pick up right where Lee left off, which is. Christian culture sends people a lot of weird, pretty unhealthy messages. And, and one of them is there are varsity Christians who have, they have letterman jackets and everything. Yeah. They're super cool. Ooh. And then there's wow. Christian letterman jackets available to say that superstore starting next week. <laughs> there you go. Then there's loser Christians who just do like intramural Christianity. And it's, I mean, if that's all you can handle, well, I guess. Um, and, when you look at the divides between varsity Christians and mm, Christians, um, having regular devotions is one of the key things on the list. And knowing a ton of Bible is one of the key things on the list. That's, you know, that's how you can tell who's, who's serious and who's not. So let's actually play that out for a second. Here's the thought experiment that I'd, I'd love for you to go through. If you woke up tomorrow and you had the whole Bible just completely memorized, what would be different about your life? You'd probably just float away in a cloud of holiness. Really? <laughs> no. Would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. No. I mean, I mean, really think about that. What would be different or improved about your life if you woke up tomorrow and just the whole thing was just like a hard drive in your brain? It was just ready to rock. What would be different? Probably have like money and chicks and stuff. Nope. <laughs> really? Nope. All the seminary recruiters lied to me. The thing, man, is first of all, as Glenn has pointed out, and rightly so, the devil knows every word of every page of the Bible. It didn't help him at all. Right. So the idea that just intrinsically knowing the words is going to help you, that's that's not how life works. The second thing is if you feel like you know what stands between me and and my best life is Bible knowledge, buddy, you can enroll in a New Testament survey class tomorrow. Um yeah. Or just buy the textbook they use and read through for a fraction of the price. Exactly right. I mean, we can we can do that. We can we can Bible it if you think it would help. But again, I think it comes back to would it help? 
would it actually improve your life? But put it this way. Um, you can read a cookbook. That doesn't make you a chef, my man. Uh, a cookbook's a really useful tool for someone who's making food. <laughs> it's kind of weird to just sit there and read it cover to cover. I systematically went through every one of Julia Child's cookbooks. How did it taste? Oh, I didn't cook or eat anything. It's just <laughs> the reading's the important part, right? Absolutely. It's not just study it like you you puree that thing, man. Don't just chop it man. like a fool. Glenn and I sit together and just debate different ideas about Julia Child's That's scrambled right. eggs recipe. That's right. As well you should. Okay. So- I still go back to the original translation <laughs> from the French. Anyway, it's all from Cordon Bleu. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so here's we've all had a lot of fun today. Okay, so here's the thing <laughs> is let's look at what actually needs improvement in your life. You have issues and I know you do because you're a human being, same as the rest of us. You've you've got struggles. And I think to tie to tie back to what Glenn was saying and what Lee was saying, God wants to help with the struggles that you're having. God wants Amen. to be a part of the changes that you're looking to make. You know, maybe that's getting to a place where you're more hopeful. Maybe that's getting to a place where you're more peaceful. I I don't know. It's just random thoughts. But this is the thing. The Lord doesn't want you to have to walk that road alone. He wants to join you on that journey. And Talking to him in prayer and listening to him in prayer should be part of the tools in your toolbox. Uh, learning more about his heart and his character through his word, that should be uh, part of the tool in, in your toolbox. But again, those things are going to work a lot better if they're a part of an overall life as opposed to uh, things where you've got to get them to a certain level and then you're a respectable Christian that people can stand to have around. That's, that's just not how it works. So we want to take that pressure off. And just like Lee and Glenn are both saying, get on that idea that God actually, he loves you right now today. Yeah. He has good things for you right now today. And he wants to be on a team with you building a good life together. Absolutely. I think these all guys all gave you incredible stuff. And I think all what they were saying points towards a kind of fundamental thing that is at the heart of this question. And Jed really pointed to it right there is it's easy to have the idea that, um, I may be hitting some kind of slump in my walk or a rut routine, as as Lee's pointing to. And also, I'm not excited about praying or reading my Bible. Therefore, the thing that must be happening is there's some kind of anti-holy conspiracy against me reading my Bible enough. And the main thing to worry about in my life is how much I read my Bible and how bad I should feel about how much or not much I do that. Uh, and that sounds like a recipe for not fixing anything. Congratulations. It definitely is. Um, there's probably, almost certainly, when you're, we, and we, everyone in the show has been in those places, there's always other stuff going on, be that relational, be that emotional, be that stuff uh, that you're unhappy with with your job or your friend group or a fellowship is a big one. And it really is a good idea to look at it holistically, as Jed's saying. And... It's probably a little sacrilegious to say this, but we did a whole thing about selling indulgences, so I'm not really that worried about that at this point. Um, <laughs> it's probably, even, I would say it's probably a better idea to look at that other stuff before you worry about the Bible. If get moving in some things that are happening in your life, that's, you know, getting on eHarmony, if that's changing a job, if that's finding a new hobby or something. If you feel better in your life, then you can look to the Bible. But saying, my life, what I, I am at misery, and what I want is misery plus Bible. Because that will be holiness. <laughs> There's a lot of churches trying to sit, trying to sell that currently, but it's really not going to be a better existence, as these guys pointed out. All right, move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, 
What is the difference between a husband's love for his wife and God's command to love your neighbor? On one hand, a husband is called to love his wife as his own body, and on the other hand, we have a command to love your neighbor as yourself. Love for one's wife means laying down your life for her as Christ did for the church, but also great love has none, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, is there a hierarchy of love, and how do you back that up with Scripture. Back that up with Scripture. Also, one of the Christian remixes that will be available in the <laughs> '90s hip hop section. Oh yeah, of the Say That Superstore. Uh, so, Leah, let me start us off with this. And uh, we, we, uh, it's you may you may have heard some snickering during reading the question. And come on, dude, who wrote in the question? And I know you're a dude. <laughs> oh yeah. But if we can I have and uh, the giveaway that he's a dude is not husband's love for one's nope. wife. Um, but I think we can have some, some sympathy and look at where this person's coming from, because I wonder how much of this has to do with this person has heard a lot of sermons about how this thing is the most important thing. It just so happens. There are some pastors who it just so happens that the thing they're talking about every Sunday is the most important concept on earth Whoa. ever, every time it's weird. It's like <laughs> a changing, it's like a leaderboard that changes. So, Lee, I think we, we can reasonably look at someone who's, who maybe went to a conference or read a book about marriage or something and said, the love you have for your spouse is it's a primary relationship. It's the most important thing. And then someone who maybe even from the same person heard someone saying, you know, Jesus breaks it down to love God and love your neighbors. Loving your neighbors is the most important thing you can do on this earth. So how do we kind of break through that idea of, well, what's the most? And look at how this actually applies to reality. Well... <laughs> You end it with the word reality and yeah. with, with almost no cheek in your voice. That was that was impressive. I, I think that you know when you look at when you look at love. I mean, there's not a difference uh, of love. We receive love from God. The way that we love people, we we receive that from Him. We then we turn around and love people. He gives that to us. It's a gift that we give away. What I, what I would look at as far as the difference is the difference in the relationships. Um, you know the. Love thy neighbor is extremely, extremely important. And, and to love your wife as Christ loved the church, this is all important. But these are totally different relationships. One of the things that I would point to is just that, you know, when 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 you get married, you're making uh you're making a covenant of fidelity where the scripture says that two become one flesh. This is we have entered into a different kind of relationship now where I I now have a teammate and a partner for the rest of my life. We are we are one thing. We are one team. And when I love people, when I love my neighbor, when I love people in ministry, that is a I, you know, God gives me a love for that person. He gives me a burden for them. I reach out to them. I'm serving them. I have no idea how that's going to go. I have no idea how they're going to respond. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not so great. Uh, when when you're serving people in ministry, and that's one thing that we do need to say about uh, about ministry is when you are loving people, you don't know what's going to happen. You got to be careful about the way that you invest in these relationships. You have to have a good idea of you know how I'm going to set up these boundaries. But when I'm in a marriage relationship, this is a relationship where I can count on somebody supporting me. 
And I actually have the right to, and, and she has the right to count on me to be her support, to be her teammate. We're doing a thing together. It's not that it's not that love is different. I mean, because love comes from God. God is love, and He gives us the love that, that we're able to give other people. But we have a totally different kind of relationship where I'm loving people in ministry. Who knows what's going to happen? They may respond well. They may respond terribly. And, and all of these relationships take work. But this relationship of marriage is a relationship where this is a partnership, a teamwork, where we are able to count on each other for support and teamwork for the rest of our lives. And so it's not, the, it's not a thing where you've got a hierarchy of different kinds of love. It's a deal where we've got different kinds of relationships. And because of that, I can expect and count on different kinds of things. And, and I think that's really the, the shape of this, is we want to draw boundaries around the different kinds of relationships that we're entering into. That's a really, really good place to start, and I think a great base to start us off on this. And Jed, I'd love to go to you here, because as long as we're talking about realities, mm. um, one of those uh, realities about one's life that may play into how they look at this is whether or not they're married. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. As we look at, uh, and I, again, we, we don't mean to make fun. We're going to. Yeah. We don't yeah. mean to. Um, it, I think, again, in a, pers- in a world where there's a lot of, a lot of bad marriages, sure. a lot of pastors with bad marriages, and uh, sometimes you, if you heard it before, you can tell when they preach. Um, so a lot of that, there's going to be a lot of kind of mystifying and uh, romant- capital R romanticizing the idea of a marriage relationship. And I wonder how much that plays into this and is put on younger people to, you have to uh, you know go in with the full weight of what this relationship is on, get them thinking about marriage and how that would fit into a life that doesn't have one in a way that may be counterproductive. Sure, absolutely. Systematic theology is not the answer to everything. Uh, I I don't know where we got the idea that it would be. How could that be true, Chad? You're going to love another book for the Say That Superstore, Random Unorganized Theology. (laughs) I mean, dude, here's the thing. I've been married actually not for a short length of time at this point. And um, I'm very blessed to have an amazing wife and to to have a good marriage. And and here's the thing. Um, Put your wife first. Uh, that, that, that's it. If you're, if you're a lady, put your husband first, put your spouse first. That that's, that's how you do it. Yes. Put your spouse first. Yes. Yeah. If there's, if there's any question with anyone ever spouse comes first. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's it. But what about, nope. Spouse comes first. Always, no matter what spouse comes first. When you get married, if you've been married, you, you took a bunch of vows and depending on, on how it went down, there may have been a lot of flowery ornate language and, Words like asunder that no one ever actually uses in real life. So it, it, it can actually, it can be, it's like, it's, you know, one of those, like you're supposed to read the iTunes terms of service, you know, and click yeah. accept and whatnot. And no one right. actually reads it. It's a lot like that with the wedding vows. Cause there's a yeah. lot going on there. Scroll, 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 click, <laughs> scroll, 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 <laughs> click. I do agree. Agree. Okay. Well here, you know, but okay, here's the thing. They come first. That's, yeah. that's it. Uh, if you're wondering, practically speaking, um, but my buddy, shouldn't he be in the mix? Nope. Spouse comes first. That's buddy right. comes maybe later, maybe, 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 maybe. Spouse comes first. Much, much later, far down the list. So far, you can't really see it from here. Comes buddy, maybe. Spouse comes first. Now, this is the thing. You you, you ended your question by saying, how do you back that up with scripture? I, I, I don't know, dude. Um, it, what I can tell 
what I can tell you is if you want to have a good marriage, spouse comes first. <laughs> You're saying the best way to get up the block is put one foot in front of the other, but can you back it up with script? <laughs> You can if you've read Random Unorganized Theology, which randomly applies a Bible verse to a topic. I I think one of the things that, as a serious thing, that I think particularly a lot of American Christians and and sometimes a lot of young people do struggle with. Actually, I want to go back and retract that. It's not young people. It's American Christians, period, the end. Is feeling like I want to have a PhD level understanding of a topic before I take step one on this topic. And you know what? That makes sense. I I, I get that. I do. You you feel like you want to wrap your brain around stuff before you get into it. I I get that. I really do. And, and, and there's a sense of the more Bible that I have that I can apply to this more Bible knowledge that I can apply to this topic, the better I would understand it. And and thus the better I would do it. I get that. I I get that thought. That's just not how it works, man. And And that's part of why we're teasing and we're, we're having a bit of fun here is Marriage again, and I'm really serious when I say this, your spouse comes first. That's it. That's yeah. that's the guideline. But living that out takes a lifetime to figure out. Right. Um, you you get married in day one, you're like, right, spouse comes first. And then you realize, I got to learn how to do that. And right. then there's stuff, I thought it would be more like X, but it turns out it's more like Y. And then it changes the day after that. And so this is the thing. If you're not married, Jesus is telling you, love your neighbor. You don't need a full systematic theology of loving your neighbor to begin. Just start loving your neighbor. Uh, Do that for two reasons. First, you actually can't have a complete theology because there's not really such a thing. So we we would want to go ahead and start. That that would be critical. But the second is, at least in my experience, the Bible is stuff that in general makes sense as you do it. It's Absolutely. There are things where you kind of... You do the the theoretics first and then do the action. This isn't like that. You kind of got to live it and then it comes to life as you live it. That, that's been my experience. So to take your question seriously, what is the difference between the husband's love and the... It's all just different, dude. And, and if you're married and you're loving your spouse and you're trying to love your neighbor, your eyes, there are on some ways similarities. There are in other ways huge differences. Um... But again, that's something you have to live to see. The thing that we want to encourage you is get living. Um, find yeah. you have neighbors. Find a neighbor and love them. Um, you know, if you're if you're not married, uh, taking steps to work on yourself and and maybe uh, as Matt brought up a while ago, e harmony and whatnot. If you are married, figuring out how to love your spouse and put them first. Uh, you know, that's the thing. But it's the getting in motion on this stuff and then letting scripture kind of. Um, uh, supply commentary to that and give you understanding about the things that you're living out that in all of our experience, that's actually how this is, how it works and how it's meant to work. Absolutely. I think that is a really fantastic transition into uh, landing this plane here. And Glenn, I think uh, Jed pointed us to there of this is going to have to be a lived out thing. And while it, we can uh, sympathize and understand the way people get to this idea of, you know, I want to basically read the travel guide before I go to this country so I know how, how, how all this is going to be is not really the way this works. And right. I wonder how some of that plays into this of boiling this down to, okay, there's love, right? which I'm just supposed to do this in all sorts of directions, right? but I need to break that down to know who I love more, what I love best. What yeah. we're actually talking about is not an emotional thing or a theological thing, right? but uh, some practicalities of like how much time you have and stuff. Well, that's absolutely right. I, I think when the, one of the things you've heard uh, perhaps in church before, and, and we, 
we, we are uh, poking a bit of fun at you, but the one who deserves it is the genius who preached the sermon that yes. took you down this road. You've been hoodwinked. Yeah. Bamboozled. Uh, but uh, the thing is, you've probably heard in church before uh, that uh, in Greek they had different words for love and that they had a word between a man and his wife in a romantic sense and that that, that was eros and that uh, the Bible had a word for uh, love between brothers, brotherly love, and that's phileo, uh, and that God, the love that God gives us is agape love, and that that comes from God. It's a virtue. Those other things are human. They are emotions. They are not spiritual. They're a part of our emotional life, uh, a part of our, our mental life. Uh, uh, agape is a spiritual uh, uh, virtue that God gives us, uh, that he uh, uh, gives to us for us, that, that is, he loves us, but he gives that love to us to give to other people as well, and that that's what he's trying to suggest. Uh, this You cited three different verses. Uh, uh, the husband should love his wife as he loves his own body, love his neighbor as himself, and lay one's life. Uh, uh, no greater love is there than one who lays down his life for his friend. So you got friendship, you got marriage, you have uh, neighbor relationships. All three of those are agape. None of them are phileo. None of them are eros. None of them are emotional. None of them are human. Mm -hmm. He's introducing a new idea. The idea is not um, that you have different kinds of love for different kinds of people. And we know this because it's the same word for all three of those verses you gave me. It's agape. Husbands, agape your wives. That's a different thing from be romantically in love with your wife. He's drawing that distinction. He's saying all of these relationships need to have a spiritual component, the thing that drives it, the thing that holds it together and binds it and gives it meaning and purpose is agape love. So uh, the idea that these are somehow different in any way it doesn't really make sense again because it's the same word and and because uh, it, it's saying agape needs to be thing the thing that drives this not the difference in these human relationships um uh, uh, as these other brothers have pointed out there are there are not different kinds of agape or whatever uh but there are certainly different priorities <laughs> and right. holy cow, dude. And let's, uh, you know, it's important, and we certainly work on this in counseling, it's important to understand the concentric circles of, of what have you. Yes. There's you, and there's God. That's at the center. Your personal, individual relationship with God. Going out from there is your spouse, okay? If you, if you happen to be married. You, your spouse, God, the three of you, working things out. Then we go 50 levels down in importance <laughs> of priority, and we come to family. And you say, whoa, no, it isn't. We, no, we put family first. No, nope. you don't. That is in the Bible. <laughs> Who are my mother and brothers? Yes, we, here's what we do. We leave our fathers and mothers, and we cleave ourselves, and we are joined and united in one flesh. That's in the Bible. So, no. And <laughs> if you've got friends and buddies and whatnot, that's down from there. 
So uh, it's important to recognize there are there are priorities there, and it's also important, you know, kind of like we were talking about in the last topic. There's reading your Bible. There's um, uh, prayer time and all those things, absolutely essential to your Christian walk and all that. But as as Matt was pointing out there, fellowship might be the first thing that you need to work on, getting out, relaxing, unwinding, venting, talking, letting other people give you encouragement. And it's like you've started a conversation with them that you can carry on with the Lord in prayer. So that's a great uh, way of looking at these things and getting out of the, the formulaic thinking that, that we're, we're stuck in here. Last thing I'll say on this, um, if we want to know what's the difference between uh, sort of people who have this wrong and the people who have this right, because I think that's what you're trying to work out here, the difference between what the the right approach to this and the wrong approach is the right approach is there is a way God wants this relationship to go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a priority as we're saying here, but a attitude, a behavior, a way of acting, a way of responding to people, a way of uh, being God has a way of doing that, and then you have a way that's the wrong one. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> there is a way that seems right to you. That's that's in the Bible. There is, and it leads to not good things, right? Joy and happiness, I think. No, I think it's uh, death. So oh, well, that's a letdown. So it, this is the thing: <laughs> uh, the the more that you say, "I have a way," I think my relationships need to be ordered. And I've been looking through the Bible and reading things and re- get hearing sermons to try and find that. That's how you know you're on the wrong thing. Uh-oh. But if you're saying, hey, I just want this to be whatever God wants it to be, and if that, if that means family needs to kick rocks, I'm, just, I'm going to have to find a way to be okay with that. Then in that case, you're on the right track. I think that's all really, really fantastic stuff. And one of the things it kind of points to as you're saying there is this there's this idea of um not only do i need to to have this all the stuff figured out before as these guys are saying but there's an idea of both loving my neighbor and loving my spouse are going to begin that journey with emotion if i want to to love my my spouse above anyone else that means i need to have this all, all times this heart bursting cartoon rush of emotion and that's how I'll know that I, I'm putting them before whatever. And if I want to love my neighbor, that means I've got to just go at it with every bit of emotional whatnot I have. And that's that's what loving someone means. And as we talk about on the show a lot, uh, love in the ways we're talking about here is an action. It's an, it's an attitude towards someone might be the best way to put that. As Jed often puts it, it's being committed to someone's good. And the thing about that is uh, that looks practical. Um, it, it, it Don't. Don't write a sonnet. Take out the trash. How about that? Um, if you have time to be both, that's fine. I, somebody's going to write that country music song, and it's going to be a hit. Yeah, absolutely. Write a sonnet about take, how much you take like taking out the trash, and then critically do the part where you take out the trash. Yeah. But there's, I, I think, some of this gets not only confused in that kind of idea we started out with. Well, this is the most important. It's the most critical and you got to do this about everything is there's also this is the emotional you got to give it your all that means you don't have anything left well not really because as glenn points out agape love is a virtue it comes from god that means we don't ever run out of it it's 
we're not, we're saying put your spouse first. That doesn't mean you uh, love your spouse so hard that there's no love left. If your buddy has a problem, that means if you get a call from your wife saying, I had a very hard day at work, I would like you to make dinner and we can talk about that. And you get a call from your buddy saying, Hey, you know, I got, you know, the, the fence is broken or whatever. Now this, this time is not a godly virtue. It is finite, profoundly finite. So that's when you have to make a choice to pick one of these people. It's not about emotion and sentiment and someone being on the feeling away towards someone that you talk about, you know, is is there a hierarchy of love? Uh, Again, not a bad song title as we're finding these things and not of the feeling of love. There's certainly a hierarchy of what you can do for people and how much time you can put in. And that's where these things, these guys are talking about come in. All right, we're going to move to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, for years, I was a quote unquote, good little Christian and never questioned any of the popular Christian leaders out there. After a couple of them turned out to be pretty messed up, both a couple and pretty messed up are profound (laughs) understatements. My friend, I started basically questioning all of them. Is this a bad thing? Do I really need Christian heroes? And if so, who can I look up to? And if ever there was a question, that the people around this digital table <laughs> are ready to answer. It's, is it really a bad thing to question every Christian leader in the world? And Jed, where would we start off? Well, very short answer. No, it is not a bad thing to question every Christian leader in the world. You should. Yes, you should test every spirit. That's also in the Bible. <laughs> oh. That said, we're sorry for what you're going through. Um, you, you feel, it sounds like you feel let down and disappointed, maybe a little bit angry. Mm -hmm. Those are deeply understandable emotions. Um, we hear you. Well, it should be said on that as we, we do write that if you feel this, it does make sense to not only be let down and angry about these individual people who did bad, but an entire kind of ecosystem you were raised in that said, these are the people you should look up to. Yeah, that's exactly. There's actually a lot of disappointment to go around here all of which is entirely justified. Absolutely. That's a good call. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So now we're faced with the uh, challenging and somewhat overwhelming question. What do we do with all that? So you asked, do I really need Christian heroes? And if so, who can I look up to? I don't know if you need heroes or not. Uh, that's an interesting question. Plenty of people find heroes to be useful uh, and to be beneficial But I think as you're pointing out, you have to approach them in a certain way for that to work. I would say that it begins by figuring out what you want a hero to be. And I think that roughly speaking, you have two options and and you need to agree with yourself on what an individual hero is. The first is a pleasant fiction. It is, again, a fiction that you are willing to entertain because on some level it's encouraging to you. I'll give an example. When I was growing up, my dad, his two favorite kinds of movies were the James Bond movies and the Dirty Harry movies. Okay. That is not how spy work or police work go down in any way, <laughs> shape, or form, even close to reality at all. They, I, I mean, if we want to be weird about it, we say they're lies, which is true, but it, that's just how fiction works. But but they are fiction. They're not meant to be true to life. They're not meant to be factual. They're not meant to even be representative of how these things work. They're a fiction and a fantasy. Because they're entertainment media, they're a pleasant fiction, if that's your aesthetic preference. I mean, you know, everybody has their taste. But, you know, in the, in the spirit of Sean Connery era James Bond, I mean, the, the dude who's, you know, always perfectly dressed and knows the right thing to say and, you know, you know, tough and resourceful. A man who was literally Mr. Universe and the premise 
premise of the thing is he just blends in. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a pleasant fantasy. Now, again, a there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, if it's if it's entertaining to you, that's great. If it's mildly encouraging to you, you know, if it's if he's like, you know, I could be more like James Bond in my life, and so I'm going to make some changes. Great, that's actually really cool. You know, if you feel like, you know, what I feel like, I go around and I always, you know, I, I look down at myself, but I should be confident, you know, because James Bond is confident. Well, James Bond doesn't exist, but it, as a thought, yeah, that's great, that's cool. And if you can, you know. In your heart of hearts, say, I know it's a fiction, but it's a pleasant fiction, and it reminds me of changes that I want to make anyway, and and in a fun way, it kind of gives me a thing to shoot uh, towards. I think that's awesome. I, I actually think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, as long as you remember James Bond doesn't exist. As long as we know that. Um, as long as you pick very carefully the era and traits of James Bond that you are trying to take into your own life. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Kind of here's my own version of that, right? Is I have musicians where I really like their music. Um, I make it my mission to know as little about them as human beings as possible. <laughs> I don't ever want to meet them. I don't ever want to encounter. I don't want to learn anything about their lives because I just want to enjoy their music and let that be inspiring to me. And this is because it's a pleasant fiction. That's what I'm doing here. I don't want reality to intrude on that because I've met a lot of musicians and, uh, it's rough. So I want, this is my musical James Bond. Nobody say anything and ruin it. You know, this guy always knows what note to play. So that's, that's cool. I want to be like that. So that's one option is a, as a, in terms of a kind of hero is a pleasant fiction, which there's nothing wrong with as long as you remind yourself, this is a pleasant fiction that I'm enjoying. The second kind of hero is a person that on some level, in some way, is going to give me something of a model of how I'm going to live at least aspects of my life. They're going to give me a a guide of of how I'm going to do things. But here we need to be very critical. First, we need to know that that person is imperfect. And second, we need to embrace that that's actually a good thing. If we're looking for someone to learn from, if we're looking for someone who even in, you know, portions of our life could be something of a model and something of of a guide, then the way that they handle their own imperfections and their own shortcomings should be part of what's giving you a model to follow. That's so right. the idea of looking for a person who pretends they're basically perfect would be a terrible idea. If that's the kind of hero that you're looking for, is a hero could actually be a model and a guide to you. You need someone who's clear they're not perfect. You need someone who knows what their own imperfections are and is actively working to address those issues. I mean, if you think about it, suppose that you wanted to, you know, you want to go to the gym, you wanted to get super ripped and whatnot. You really wouldn't want a coach who was born ripped and had always been ripped. Because that guy wouldn't know how to relate to someone like me and maybe someone like you. You want someone who had to figure it out, right? That's what we all need. You don't want a pastor who has never struggled with anything. I just wake up in the morning joyful and at peace with all creation. That's it. You actually... Then sit down. (laughs) Yeah, you, you got nothing for me. I need somebody who's struggled. I need somebody who's been through some things and who's figured out how to take the next step, who's figured out how to move forward, how how to get wisdom, how to get perspective, how to take tough steps. In that sense, a hero is great. A hero is fantastic. But again... This boils down to being clear with yourself on what kind of hero we're talking about, what kind of hero we're doing, and what role that's going to play in your life. As you've seen, taking a pleasant fiction 
and presenting it as reality and buying into that, that's a bad call. That will lead to disappointment. I think properly understood heroes can play a good role in your life, but that discernment element is a must in order for that to happen. Absolutely right. And Leah, I'd love you to pick us up right there because I think uh, Jed points us to something very important, which is we're actually not here to, uh, to use a theological term, crap all over. The idea of heroes, the idea of people that, that you look up to, but that does have to fill a specific role in order yeah. to be healthy. So, Lee, what, what does that role look like? To have someone who made something or said something that I liked, what does it look like for that to be a healthy thing and not something that sets us up for letdown? Yeah, I think that's a great way to frame the question. I, I agree exactly with Jed. And the, and the, the tweak that... It, or the the other angle that I'd come in on this with is that I would I would change the word hero into um, the concept of discipleship. Um, as far as when I look at my spiritual life, um, the you know being discipled is a very important part of of walking with the Lord. I, I, I do want to I want to grow. I want to get better at this. I want to become the person that 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 God wants me to be and. And it's a huge step in that process for everybody that is growing with the Lord is finding somebody who is ahead of them who can walk alongside them. And so I would I would change that concept of of hero into who is a, a, a mentor or somebody that can can take me under their wing and disciple me. And that is a it's exactly what Jed said about I, I need this I need this discernment. I need to know what I'm looking for. Because what I need is I need someone who is um and I'm just gonna give a couple more kind of things that, that occur to me as I'm as I'm thinking about discernment. I need somebody who is in my life, who whose life I can see close up. Someone who I I watch them walk through their their life. I I can see how they handle their relationships day in and day out. This isn't a person who is <clears throat> this isn't a person who lives in a different city. It's not a person who I listen to on the radio or something like that. That's not the way that, that that's not the way this relationship works. Um, I, I can't like basically. I need to be okay with the fact that whatever distance is between me and 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 whoever I'm looking up to or learning from or whatever that distance is going to have some mediated fakeness in, involved in it i mean if i have a um you know like a a a hero in your words i just need to get ready for that person to let me down because as Jed said, and he's exactly right, every single person is is not perfect. They're imperfect. And the way that they can help me with those imperfections is exactly what Jed said, is I'm close enough to their life to watch them walk through them, to watch them handle them. And they are close enough to my life to help me see the things I can't see about myself. What I want in somebody that that I look up to or somebody that's going to bring me under their wing is I want somebody whose life I can see. I can see their bad days. I can see good days. I can see their marriage. I can see the way they handle friendships. I can see the way that they handle enemies. I can see the the way that they deal with people talking about them and frustrations. I can see the way that they handle sickness and all that kind of stuff because I do want to grow and I do need people farther along than myself. And if I have that kind of a person in my life, 
then you know it's it's exactly as Jed said with the with the human heroes where it's like uh, you know maybe they wrote an encouraging song let it be that let it be a time that you were encouraged maybe they wrote a book that helped you cool let it be a book that helped you but don't ask that person to help you become the person that you're supposed to be that needs to be somebody in your life somebody that serves you somebody that you get the opportunity to serve alongside somebody that you can see close up and still this person is not a hero this person is just the person that I'm walking beside, the person that I'm listening to, the person that I'm learning under, which is a totally different kind of thing. Because with the hero worship, there is this implicit thing of like, everything they say is perfect. Well, that is not going to be the case with any human person. I need that discernment, exactly as Jed's saying. And in order for that discernment to work, it's got to be somebody that's close enough to my life so that all this fake mediated stuff that is just part of, you know, somebody's Instagram profile or somebody's Facebook presence or something like that, that I get all that stuff out of the way. I've seen this, you know, the the people that have mentored me, I've seen them with a sinus infection. I've seen them with massive troubles. I've seen them with money troubles. I've seen them with enemies knocking on the door. Um, And that's the kind of person, when you see a person like that walking with God, doing it great some days, doing it terrible other days, asking your forgiveness because they screw it up, and then you asking their forgiveness, that's the kind of relationship that we're looking for. That discernment should be uh, should lead me to a person who is closer and closer and closer to my life. Absolutely right. I think that that really is good. And I think that's going to be the crux of this is where we land is um, it is who you can look to, look up to as people in your life. Cause yeah, for sure. As, as, all the, as both these guys pointed out, I think it's a very smart point. Um, writers are great. We all have writers we love. Christian sure. songwriters are great. We all have Christian songwriters we love. Um, that, But that's a different space in your life. So yeah. how do we go about not letting those things bleed. Cause I think right. one of the, one of the main things we hear from folks on the show and it's, it's, it's an ongoing show folks who work in their life is everyone. Most people would love to have a mentor who is a great person who knows their deal, who they sit down with and one-on-one and they do it. But we're all lucky to have found those people uh, yeah. throughout our lives and careers. It's a tough thing to find. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with, I don't think there's anything wrong with liking a podcast or a preacher or a writer in the meantime, but how do we keep sure. those roles kind of distinct as we're maybe have one, but not the other? It's a great question because ultimately we love turning off our brains and just floating in a soup of Christianness. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I could just turn on this channel and it's all Christian, so I don't have to think about it. I don't have to discern. I don't have to be critical about it and sift it to see if it's good or true or any of that. Uh, The reality is you probably ought to be sifting that stuff harder than anything else. Uh, I would like to suggest that you take everything that we say on this podcast and go and look up what we're saying in Scripture. Especially us. Yeah. I mean, you should put us to the test. No question about it. We're encouraging that. Uh, because you're going to find out we're we're actually right in a lot of cases that you wouldn't imagine. So that's uh, I'm open and to that. Unlike a lot of people in the Christian world, if you think we're wrong, we'd love to hear that. Oh yeah, uh, there are yeah, perspectives yeah. and things we haven't thought of, and yeah, we don't always us? express ourselves correctly. <laughs> wrong, <laughs> not Jed, not but we don't always express ourselves correctly. You know, that's it's, right. It's happened a, a number of times actually sure. in the history of this show. Someone has said, 
you know, I know what you meant, but uh, right. here's I'm part of this group. And when you use that word that way, sure, that kind of means this. You may not know it because they're all old white guys. They, they're yeah, nice yeah. enough not to say that part, but yeah, it's, yeah. No. it's what's going on there. Or here's what I'm going through. And that sounded funny to me. Did you mean that? We, we yeah. welcome that stuff. Absolutely right. I, we want you to yeah. think critically about what you hear on, on this podcast. No question about it. I, I think the, uh, the the other thing is uh, a lot of us on this podcast have had the experience of meeting some of our quote unquote heroes or people we looked yep. up to, artists, uh, singers, writers, and so forth. Nope, <laughs> man, that's not been fun. Uh, yeah. I, I think what you do discover <laughs> is what Lee said, which was that was a great song. I really love the song. Probably should have just left it at that. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could go back to the time where I didn't know what. Well, a, there, you know, you know you give are. me an example. There's a, a, a <laughs> an artist that, and I really loved his music, and I I thought this is a great guy, and and you meet him, and he is just the sweetest, most kind, amazing guy ever, and you're like, wow, that's that's what I thought, and he's that, and then he keeps talking, and he's a major basket case. Well, <laughs> you like, well, but the song's still good and he's a good dude. It's just that he's human. Yeah. I think that's what we've learned there. And uh and I have those those human uh, things about myself uh, as a as a leader. The thing I want you to look at though is the person who allows themselves to be put on that pedestal. Yeah. Mm. That's a thing you got to look at. Wow. If you aren't actively subverting how uh, super Christian and sanctified and holy you are, I got a problem with you. And you have a problem with yourself. This is a bad thing. If you're saying, come to this church, it's big and popular because I'm great. <laughs> that inherently is someone you should never think of as any form of hero because it is within itself wrong. Forget about what he says or does or whether we find out later that there's something else. If he's saying, you know what would be great? If I had a microphone and everyone listened to me and gave me a big pile of money and I could buy a yacht. That's <laughs> that's very literally what a lot of these guys have in their brain. Yeesh. And you can tell because that's exactly what they're doing. They're not well, hiding that. Well, he called it the SS systematic theology. So right. That's pretty Christian. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah, if you if if you see somebody getting comfortable on a pedestal, that's that you you know what you need to know on that. But here's a uh, uh, here's a, a concept that actually Lee and I were talking about this this past uh, week. Sort of uh, 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 coincidentally, we both ended up preaching in two different places, but the same verse. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of we, we were listening to each other's uh, re- recording of each other's sermon on it, and it was really a thing where we're asking ourselves, you know, uh, if the, the the verse had to do with worry, you know, the, each day has enough troubles of its own, so you know, don't don't worry about today, and uh, you know, the the we're talking about the approach of well, what if you said well, that's crazy, you gotta worry. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, who doesn't worry? What kind of weirdo doesn't worry when things are going wrong? Like, what does that mean? But to start with that, to say, that's how I feel, that's what I think. Of course I'm right. worrying. I'm making things better with the power of my worrying. What part of this don't you understand? <laughs> you, know, you know, but then, okay, so now we're laughing that it's crazy, but we're also laughing, laughing because that's exactly what's going on in all of our minds. Mm-hmm. And then that takes us to a place of, okay, I'm not changing things, 
what what I'm actually doing is eating myself alive from the inside out. So that can't be the right response. So what else is there? So we're working through all these things, and and we were kind of kicking that back and forth. Of you know, it seems irreverent and odd and out there and crazy, but. You know, I think I I looked at it and said, "Well, no, but isn't that a better way of bringing this out?" And then, you know, I'm I'm reading, uh, uh the, reading some scripture this week, and I'm coming across this Bible verse that says, "I'm going to boast of my weaknesses." You know, Paul says, mm-hmm. "I I I boast all the more that about my weaknesses because God's made strong and His strength is manifest in in me." Uh, through my weaknesses, it's it, he's saying I'm putting my weaknesses out there on Front Street, so that when you see a transformation in me, you can recognize that transformation happened on a flawed, weak, struggling person, and that I am in that struggle with you. I am not the varsity team, and you're the undergrad or something. This is, we are all in this boat together. We're all trying to figure out, we all have the same struggles. I'm telling you my weaknesses. I'm putting my weaknesses out front. A, because I don't want to have to live up to the superhuman thing. B, I don't want to be up on that pedestal. That, that, I'm going to fail and, and be knocked off that pedestal, so I don't want to be up there. And C, I think I'm giving you better ministry and better discipleship by lowering myself and saying, I'm a weak person. I have these struggles, but I'm working on it, and you're working on it. So let's let's figure this out together. There was a there was a, a moment. I I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast. There was a moment several years ago now where um, there was a gal who came to our services, and mostly people who come to our services are either completely, totally unchurched, or maybe have been once or twice, you know, when they're kids or something like that. But this one particular gal was had been in church and had been in church a lot, and she had picked up on what you do to seem really holy, is you say amen really loud and also a lot. And um, she started doing that, and the fellows were, like, not pleased. Like, they were really not pleased. And they were, you know, every, literally everybody's looking at each other like, do we stop her? What do we do? And, you know, it's bad. So I got up to preach, and I literally was uh, in the middle of a sentence where I was setting up a point, and I'm, I'm halfway through my sentence, and she shouts amen before I even said anything. And I, I stopped, and I said, Sister, I need you to make me earn it. Don't give it to me till I've earned it. And there was about two minutes of sustained applause behind that. But that's, it's, it's important to recognize uh, just because this person is popular, you need to recognize they paid to be popular. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It means uh, th- just because other Christians think this person's great, that doesn't mean anything. Christians are totally, totally terrible at discernment. <laughs> De- never follow the herd of what Christians think is cool. You will do great by just whatever Christians are on. Get on the other thing, because <laughs> the, that's you know. Every time you read in the Bible, there's a bunch of religious people all doing something. It's the wrong thing. They're nailing somebody to the cross. They voted for that. That was the that was the holy people that voted for Jesus to be hung on a cross. Don't go with the crowd. They're never like we got a big mob of people. We figure out the right thing to do. That never happens. So I think we we have to 
have this mentality of I want to I want to think critically. I want to make people earn it. And we want to recognize they're human beings just like me. And if they say something that helps me with my walk, it needs to come from that place of a flawed person understanding what they need to do. Absolutely right. I think there's a lot of really, really fantastic stuff on this. I'd like to say one more thing, take us back to a point that Lee was making about kind of, uh, if someone wrote a, wrote a book that you liked or uh, wrote a song that you liked, it's, it's great to let that be that. I, th- I think to, to dig just a little bit deeper in that for just a second, um, that is a great use of stuff. And again, we all have uh, songs we like and, and uh, authors we, we like, who, but I think the way I've landed on my life and with some help from these guys doing that is saying, I am doing a thing. It kind of goes back to what Jed was saying during our first question of you. This all works better when you live it out. So I'm doing a thing in my life, trying to get on the right page with the Lord, trying to do these things. If someone, if uh, I read a passage from an author and I think, you know, that's exactly what I think about that, but those are great words to put to it, or that's a really cool way to look at that, or that really encourages me, or hear a song and think that really fires me up. That's great. That's fantastic because I am now onboarding this into the thing I'm doing. What I'm not doing, to, to go back to kind of the cultural points Glenn's talking about, is saying, I like this thing, and I like this person, so we're all probably pretty cool. Because now it's incumbent on this person to keep being cool, because I've gotten my a little bit of my identity yeah. from how cool they are. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> I'm doing a thing that I'm excited about, and this helped fuel that. Because then, as these guys are all pointing out, it doesn't really matter if that guy's a schmuck or not. He still said something that I thought helped me with the cool thing I'm doing. If the cool thing is this other person, then that's an inherently unhealthy dynamic that's going to lead to a lot of uh, heartache when they end up being a putz, which everyone does at some point. Sure. If you read enough, if a person has been in the public eye for a long time, you will read something they said that makes you cringe. That's yeah. that's true of uh, people I love and think the world of as much as it is of people I don't like. But it's also just not a healthy dynamic for you because you didn't do anything. You need to it, to to really kind of go with a, a, a real uh, borderline Oprahism here. You kind of need to be the hero in this story. And other stuff is fueling what you're doing on that. And uh, the good news is God wants that for you too. He wants you to do things. He doesn't want you to sit around and be passive and just kind of build this identity of other people's thoughts and ideas. He wants you to do your own thing and have all that, fill that in. That's what we want for you too. All right, we're going to tell you the song this week. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. You can scroll down into the episode description for those. Our outro song this week is actually a lot of the things we we're talking about today were on that theme of kind of, there's not being the, the varsity and the, the JV, is, as Jed put it. So I'm going to take out the song uh, written and performed by Jed with a hand from our friend Lynn's Honeyman from Scotland, Ooh. from our sister program, The Bridge Loud, nice. called No, He Wasn't, breaking down a little parable of Jesus about just that exact idea. Yeah. Take out that, that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Come on down to the Save That Christian Clearance Emporium. We're slashing prices on misprinted new international Verdon Bibles. Half off irregular cryo robes that are literally hanging half off. Buy one failed megachurch smoke machine. Get seven free. Everything must go. (laughs) Yeah. Two men go to the chapel. Two men go to the church. The first steps up to the microphone to give the speech that he's rehearsed. He clears his throat and begins to brag about how clean he keeps his nose. He's well behaved and generous. God, I'm so impressive You're welcome
Wasn't. 